You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Turn with me, would you please, to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Let me have my my PowerPoint if it works. Thank you. As you know, how many live here within 50-mile radius? If you live within 50-mile radius, raise your hand. Okay, let me ask this question better. Who lives 50 miles away from here? Okay. Some people on Sunday, they make... 75 miles on Sunday. They 75 miles one way, <laughs> 75 back, 150 miles a, a, a day just to come to worship here and be with us. And so uh, the reason I'm asking you that because it, it, for the exception of those that, live in the south, that don't live in the southwest, so if you're watching this on the Internet and in Europe, uh, if you're watching this in the Midwest, perhaps this has nothing to do. But this is for us, and I could not time this better. I could not time it. I mean, if you think that I, I timed this, it's unbelievable. You have to think I'm an Einstein. Because we're going to get into Ecclesiastic chapter 9 this coming Sunday. And there in chapter 9, we are told exactly what God thinks of the dead. Once they die, they are forgotten. And so today, I would advise you, if you're watching online, maybe you can call grandma and grandpa. I hope they don't get upset. Call your family. Let them know that we're doing a Dia de los Muertos or the Day of the Dead from a biblical perspective. You can go to the MontebelloArc.com. The Montebello Dark Arc. What is it? Montebello. ArcMontebello.com. Thank you. And... Uh, First, let me just share something with you. I am not proposing this. I am not advocating for this. I'm just telling you that I hear Christians and they say things that I don't think they should be saying about people that celebrate Dia de los Muertos out of respect. You need to be sensitive. I've heard people say, you know, that's demonic. And I'm thinking, where do you get that from? Oh, that's of the devil. That's all, all that stuff. Maybe you have right, but the fact is, we need to be ultra-sensitive. How many have family members or friends or co-workers that they're going to celebrate somehow on the Dia de los Muertos? How many of you? Yeah. So I do too. So this is a biblical perspective. Now, Jesus is going to give us a parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Two people. They're both going to die. They're both going to go to eternity but different destination. Just for clarity, just for clarity and practice, we're going to cut this in half. And just like Matthew 25, the sheep are on the right. So that'll be you guys, sheep. And the goats will be on the left, only for practice. But if the shoe fit, fits, then I hope not. This is just an illustration, okay? So you are rich. You are wealthy in this life. You're eating good. You're fancy. You're partying. You're corona out, not virus, corona. 
You're all partying. You're happy. You're content. You have everything that life calls for, and you feast sumptuously. There's no economic pressure. There's no stress. You're a ruler. You're the master of your life, but you're going to die tonight. On the other hand, you have lived in poverty. You live in pain all your life. Headache, moral madness, and psychological freakness that happens in life. You will be like all normal people that live in this world. And this is what Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Man, I don't want to get there, but I'm so excited about it. He says this. Let me just read it for you. Don't turn there. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. The one thing happens to everybody. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live. And after they go, they go to the dead. But for him who is joined to the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. That's my title for this Sunday. A living dog is better than a dead lion. A dog was demeaning. A dog was dirty. A dog was, was ungodly. A dog was looked upon as a rabid, ugly, um, evil thing. But yet Solomon says that it's better to be living like a wild dog while we're alive because we have hope. Where the majestic lion was living, now he's dead. He's of, of no value anymore. The dead lion has no more hope anymore. So you will be the dead lion. You were powerful. And you, you're a dog. You live like a dog. You act like a dog. But you know what God says? You dogs have more hope than the lion who's dead. Amen? So here, Jesus gives us a very explicit view into eternity. I want you to notice that Jesus is, is offering two views. The rich man ends in one place, and notice what the rich man is, is feeling, what he's seeing, what he's experiencing. He's dead, all right? But if he's dead, why is he talking if he's dead? Where is he? And yet, the rich man, wherever he's at, he is watching a cross, and there he sees the poor man. And the poor man is being comforted under the bosom of Abraham, just like John says that in the last meal of Jesus, who had his head upon Jesus' bosom? John. It was a token of comfort. You're eating, you're feasting, you're comfortable, and you're leaning against someone you love dearly. It's a very vivid picture. And I want you to see that, that the rich man, if he had a second chance to be saved, he will say it. But he doesn't. Watch what he says, and then watch how Jesus responds. Verse, oh, forgive me. I'm not there. Bear with me. I lost my place. By the way, I'm using a new Bible today, and it has big font. Wow. For the first time in my life. So it's brand new, so forgive me. Matthew. 
Oh, no wonder. Here we go. Verse 19 of chapter 16. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple. Has a lot of money. And fine linen. And he fared sumptuously. He ate like a pig every single day. However, there was a certain beggar by the name of Lazarus. He was full of sores who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died, and notice, and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, the rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then the rich man cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your what? In your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf, a schism, a canyon fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you, they cannot, nor can those from here there pass to us. Then the man said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you will send him to my father's house. For I have five living brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But Abraham said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one has risen from the dead. It's a slap in the face, even today. What does that mean? Who rose from the dead? Jesus Christ. We proclaim Jesus Christ that he's alive, and people laugh at you, people laugh at me, people laugh at our church. But what is he saying here? Two destinies. If the man who is dead, who was a rich man in torment, do you believe that if you, if you were him, and if you had a chance to be born again in hell, would you do it, yes or no? Absolutely. But there isn't. There's none. There's only two ways. You either go to one place or the other place, nothing in between. So, Dia de los Muertos is a very... It's a very off kind of rendition to this. That somehow the dead can have redemption. Ecclesiastics tells us, Hebrews 9.27 tells us, Jesus tells us still Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John, in John chapter 8, in John chapter 15, he tells them, I have come to give you life. I did not come to condemn the world, but that through me you may have life and life abundantly. He says, I don't want you to perish, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not 
Stop there. What's the word perish? Because that's what, that's what Solomon is going to use. That after we're dead, we're perish. So, Dia de los Muertos, the day of the dead, or All Souls Day, which is not biblical. All Saints Day is not biblical. It's traditional. Somehow, they want to convey to you that there is hope for the dead. More of that in a minute. So, what I want to do, I just want to go through a couple of panels, maybe 25 panels through PowerPoint, and present my point real fast and come back. Lest the time consumes me, and I do not share the biblical perspective. Now, again, I am not giving you a historical lesson. I'm just providing trigger points of interest for you. Maybe you can search and look yourself and get more acquainted, more acclimated, so that you have a response not to win a case, theological case, against someone who's ignorant, doesn't know the Bible, so that you can be sensitive and be like Jesus Christ speaking to people that were in darkness, and he was a very pleasant and kind man to tell them the truth. You cannot just, re- just resign people and say, well, you know, no, that's, that's demonic. Well, explain to me why it's demonic. Well, you know. And what you do is you offend people, you, dis- you disrupt people, and you're, you're, you're not a negotiator for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, what Dia de los Muertos or DDLM is not? Dia de los Muertos is not a Mexican Halloween. Why you laugh? You, you, you hear your laughter? Because some of you laugh. You know that. A lot of people don't know that. They think Dia de los Muertos is a Mexican Halloween. Dia de los Muertos has nothing to do with Halloween, but despite the skulls and skeletons, it is not ghostly, spooky event. It's a celebration of those loved ones who are gone in our midst. While Halloween and Day of the Dead share common roots and traits and fall close together on the calendar, they are different holidays. Dia de los Muertos, so Day of the Dead, I'll refer to DDLM. It's not a somber nor a scary event. Halloween is seen as a night of darkness and terror and mischief, while Day of the Dead is celebratory festivities. It consists of color and joy and tamales, atole. (laughs) The two holidays originated with similar afterlife beliefs. That's what Luke 16 tells us, the afterlife. But are very different in modern day. Halloween began as a Celtic festival where people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts, but has recently turned into a tradition of costume wearing and trick or treating. Decorating houses with death and ghoulish characters and bats and ghosts and scary costume wearing is not done in most parts of Mexico and other Latin American countries this weekend. They don't do that. The modern Halloween is a combination of Christian traditions regarding the Feast of All Souls Day and All Saints Day and the pagan festival of Samaim. Now, who has never heard of Samaim? Raise your hand. You never heard of them, right? A lot of people, they celebrate. They, they, don't, they don't know that either. People that, people that are Catholics like I was and like 95% of you, 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 you didn't know the origin of All Souls Day and All Saints Day. So what is the DLM? On the other hand, Day of the Dead is explicitly about the afterlife and remembrance. The Day of the Dead is a Mexican holiday and also in Central America, in South America now, where families welcome back the souls of their deceased relatives for a brief reunion that includes food, drink, and celebration. 
The skull symbolized the continuation of memories and of life. If people are really celebrating Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead in Mexico, if they're really celebrating, all the skulls will be smiling. That's an affront to tell death, you ain't got nothing on us. We still remember grandma. So it's a mockery to death. Now, if you have a skull that is frowning, and that's, that's, they, they really don't know what's up in more than a minute. Those who celebrated believe that at midnight on October 31st, the souls of all these six children come down from heaven and reunite with their families. This is very sensitive. Very sensitive to people. Very sensitive. I know more than of you. On November 1st at 12 a.m., Dia de los Angelitos, the day of the little angels, it starts the holiday at midnight where the spirits of all these six children are believed to be reunited with their family for 24 hours. Families construct an altar. No one has ofrenda. With the departed child's favorite snacks, candies, toys, and photographs to encourage a visit from their departed children. The names of the departed children will often be written on a sugar skull. On the following day, November 2nd at 12 a.m., is Dia de los Difuntos, the spirits of the adults, at midnight of the following day, November, 20, November 2nd. The celebration shifts to honor the lives of the departed adults. The night is filled with laughter and fun memories, much like the night before. However, the ofrendas, the offerings, take on a more adult-like theme with tequila. <laughs> Pan de muerto. I'll show you a picture. It's not a, like bread that's all molded, all right? Mezcal, which it derives from the maguey plant. It's got very, uh, the viscosity is really liquidy. And you, you, you can drink four, but after five, you start seeing, it's LSD, man. <laughs> Forgive me, pulque, that's the one I'm talking about, pulque. Mezcal is the derivative. Mezcal is popular now in America because they have, they have, uh, they have appropriated and made it into a high-end thing. Mezcal is cheap than tequila, just FYI. <laughs> and the jars of atole, which is a cornmeal drink. Families will also play games together, reminisce about their loved ones, and dance while the village band plays in their little town. There's the pan de muerto, you see, delicious. Now, if you say, oh, no, I'm a Christian, I don't eat that. You're crazy. Eat that thing. <laughs> and there you see the marigold flowers. They correspond. They have, a, they have a natural name to it. November 2nd at 12 noon is Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. The next day is the grand finale in, in public celebration of Dia de los Muertos. In more recent times, people come together in their cities dressed up with calavera, which is a skull, painted faces, skeletons, and have parades in the street. Cemetery visits are also coming on the last day as families will go to decorate the grave sites with marigold flowers, gifts, and sugar skulls with the departed's name on them. It's customary to clean the gravestone and restore the color. That's what we're going to see this weekend. Oh, two weeks from now. Is it this weekend? Yeah, I think so. Whenever it is. <laughs> You're going to see it at cemeteries. It's... it's, it's, it's they have to. If they want to keep business, they have to. Families make colorful altars in their homes in honor of their deceased loved ones. 
and the altars are decorated with marigold flowers, candles, their loved one's favorite food, and Pan de Muerto. The festivities continue in the cemetery where families bring picnics, play music, and sometimes even spend the night to celebrate the lives of those who are no longer on this earth. UNESCO, the United Nations, uh, United Nations, uh, come to me. United Nations of culture, whatever. Officially made Day of the Day part of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity in 2008. And there's the grandma having a ball at the cemetery. And eating and cooking and flowers and music, mariachis. And, and it all depends. If they're the children, they, they do not drink. But the day of the, the, the defuntos and the, of the adults, the big celebration, and then they do drink. What is Halloween? Halloween began as a Celtic festival where people will light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts, but has recently turned into a tradition of costume wearing and trick-or-treating. Halloween is also known as Samhain and the Celtic roots. It started in Scotland, Ireland, and on the Isle of Man. In modern times, Samhain, a Gaelic word pronounced Samhain, is usually celebrated from October 31st to November 1st to welcome in the harvest and usher in, quote, unquote, the dark half of the year. The modern Halloween is a combination of Christian traditions regarding the Feast of All Souls Day and All Saints Day and the pagan festival of Samhain. Samhain was observed by Celtic pagans. Samhain marked the Celtic New Year, the end of summer and the end of the harvest season. It also signaled the beginning of winter, which they associated with death. On this day, the Celts believed that the veil between the living and the dead was specially at its thinnest and a good time to communicate to the beyond. The origin of Dia de los Muertos. Claudio Lomet's book, Death and the Idea of Mexico, he quotes this, quote, unlike contemporary Europeans and Americans whose denial of death permeates their cultures, the Mexican people display and cultivate a jovial familiarity with death. This intimacy with death has become the cornerstone of Mexico's national identity. They sing songs about it. There's a song by a famous, wonderful man by the name of Jose Alfredo Jimenez. He says, La vida. I, I haven't finished it. Why you, why you ended it? <laughs> La vida, ¿qué? For those who, who know it, say it. La vida. Life means nothing. I was born crying. And crying, I will die. Life has no value. And yes, Solomon says, even if you're a dog and you're living, you still have hope. Whereas the lion, there's powerful, he's dead. There's nothing he can do at all. While the lion lived, there were, he was glorious. He's the king of the jungle. Powerful, but he's dead. But a dead, a living dog, <laughs> a living dog has more hope. The day of the dead originated some 3,000 years ago with the Aztec and Nahua people. Mourning the dead was considered disrespectful because in these cultures, the dead are still considered to be members of the community. It is up to their families to keep their memory alive. The Aztecs and the other Nahua people living in the pre-Columbian Mesoamerica, what is now central Mexico, they held a cyclical view of the universe. 
and they saw death as an integral, ever-present part of life. Mind you, it's not a biblical perspective. It's a, it's a, it's a tribal perspective. It has nothing to do with the Word of God. When the dead temporarily returned to earth to be by their side, their families honored and celebrated and paid homage to their dead loved ones for an entire month in the month of August. This view of death began way back during the one-month Aztec festival where they celebrated the dead and paid homage to the lady of death, Miklankliquatl, who protected their departed loved ones and helped them in the afterlife. This is all happening before the Spaniards came as colonizers. The colonizers and the Spaniards also had a tradition, a tradition that was introduced to the Catholic Church. It was All Souls Day and All Saints Day. And when they saw how the Aztecs made so much fuss about this whole month, people have to eat, people have to drink. There's facilities, the commerce was powerful in the city called Tenochtitlan, which is now Mexico City. The Spaniards, you can look at the writing, they're saying for a whole month, money was flying left and right. Musicians and dancers and flowers and, and restaurants were open and there was so much commerce that they saw an opportunity even there. Upon dying, a person who believed to travel to, to Chikunamiklan, the land of the dead. Only after getting through nine challenging levels, a journey of several years, could that person's souls finally reach Miklan, the final resting place. This is, this is all for many people. You ask people, they're, 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 they're celebrating Day of the Dead, and you ask them, hey, man, have you ever going to go to Miklan? They go, no, but Mazatlan <laughs> and Yucatan. But I never been to Miklan because they don't know. Inawa rituals honoring the dead traditionally held in August. Family members provided food, water, and tools to aid the deceased in this difficult journey, very much like the Egyptians. This inspired the contemporary Day of the Dead practice in which people leave food or other offerings on their loved one's graves, or set them out in, on makeshift altars called ofrendas in their homes. Tradition connected with the holiday include honoring the deceased using calaveras, or skulls, and Aztec marigold flowers known as compachuchitl, building home altars with the favorite foods and beverages of the departed, and visiting graves with these items as gifts for the deceased, and those are the marigold flowers. They're very easy to pronounce, marigold. As opposed to Sempachuchitl. But these are the flowers that they use. Very common. Dildem is a syncretic holiday. The word syncretic comes from the word syncretism. Syncretism is a combination of two religions. When you go to Yucatan, you have Catholicism. And you still have Maya Indian influence. Is that right? When you combine both of them. You have a syncretic religion. If you've ever been to Cuba, they have Catholicism. And they have another religion called Sante, Santeria. And they mix them both. And what you get, it is a hybrid of madness. And this is what happened in Dia de los Muertos. There was a hybrid between the Aztec and the Natual Indians, the way they celebrated in August, 
And when the Spaniards came, bringing their European influence and the teachings of their church. So it's a cultural product of two different religious traditions that hybridized during the European colonization of the Americas. During Mexico's 300-year-long colonial period, which started in 1521, indigenous cultures such as the Aztec, Maya, Zapotec, and Mystic, people of Mesoamerican ritualizing the dead, was merged with the European religion and Spanish culture. The holiday was morphed to be celebrated each year from October 31st to November 2nd. The Spanish Catholic Holy Days for the Dead, known as All Saints, celebrated on November 1st and All Souls on November 2nd. So when they saw what the Aztecs were doing in the whole month of August, they were able to persuade them, either by force or coercion, to believe in what they believe. And they said, you're celebrating what we're celebrating. But our God says is the 30th, the 1st, and the 2nd. So the whole indigenous people, they changed the date from a whole month of August only to three days. And they're the beginning of the hybrid integration. So now the question is, what is All Souls Day and All Saints Day? To be clear, both All Souls Day and All Saints Day are prayer days associated with the Catholic Church. Now, please, don't, don't email me, please. You know, there's a lady one time when I said, the word purgatory is not in the Bible. She said, you act like you read the whole Bible. <laughs> and I don't want to get cocky. I said, but at that time, I think I read it like two times already. I said, you know what? In the fact, I have from Genesis Revelation. It's just stupid. Everybody knows the word there, purgatory is there. But Where? And so I'm dealing with someone who is ignorant. I'm dealing with someone who is convinced that purgatory is there. It's not in the Bible. There's not a El Mani Bas Depot in heaven. <laughs> Jesus just told us that. You go to one place. If you're a sheep, you go to one place. If you're a goat, you go to that place. If you are sheep and you end up there, you don't have a second chance. That's why the urgency... Jesus said, I come to save you. I have come that I may give to you eternal life. There was no time on the cross when one of the thieves repented. There was no time to explain to him all the theological perspectiveness of the, the Messiah. He's on the cross, so he's going to tell me, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And, uh, ain't got time. You're dying. You're a living dog on the cross. You don't have that much time. You're a dog. You have hope. This goat over here is still making fun of me. He's belittling me. He's, not, he's a lion. Pretty soon he's going to be a dead lion. What about you? You're, you're a dog still. While you're still a dog, you have hope. And this miserable dog, you said, Jesus, when you get to your kingdom, remember me. That's all he said. He didn't say, oops, I'm sorry. Uh, it's my fault. Yeah, yeah, I've been bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, 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 no. Remember me. Jesus responded, today you shall be with me in paradise. That's it. Right? Absent from the body. Say that loud for me. For me, for me. Say it loud. Absent from the body is to present with the Lord. I need to hear that. I need to hear that over and over again. Why? Because I'm over 70 years old. I need to hear that. I need to hear every time I get up. I need to, I need, every time I go to my pharmacy, every time I go to my doctor, every time I go to my bone, my, to my knee specialist, every time I get medication, every time there's another hurt, I'm, I need to be reminded. One of these days, I'll see glory. One of these days. One of these days. And you say, you're crazy. Okay. You call me crazy. I'm just a living dog that still has hope. I have hope. You don't, support, you, don't, you, you don't earn it. I know I don't earn it. I'm a, I'm a dog, man. I don't earn nothing, dog. I'm a dog. So All Saints Day, which is November, is focused on Christian martyrs and saints. All Souls Day on November 2nd is all about the family and family tree. It is a day for being with family, visiting cemeteries, sharing memories of loved ones, and honoring tradition. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III, 731 A.D. to 741, designated November 1st at a time to honor all saints. Soon, all saints, they incorporated some of the traditions of, of some wine. When local people converted to Catholicism during the early Middle Ages, the Roman church often incorporated modified versions of older religion traditions in order to win converts. Pope Gregory IV, 1827 to 844 A.D., wanted to substitute some wine with All Saints Day in 835 A.D., but All Souls Day, November 2nd, which is closer in resemblance to Samhain, and Halloween today was first instituted at a French monastery in 998 A.D. and quickly spread throughout Europe. In ancient Europe, Pagan celebrations of the dead also took place in the fall and consisted of bonfires, dancing, and feasting. Some of these customs survived even after the rise of the Roman Catholic Church, which unofficially adopted them into their celebrations of two Catholic holidays, All Saints Day and All Souls Day, celebrated on the first two days of November. Now we're coming closer to Mexico, okay? So in medieval Spain, people would bring wine and pan de animas, or spirit bread, to the graves of their loved ones and all souls day. They would also cover graves with flowers and light candles to illuminate the dead souls way back to their homes on earth. In the 16th century, I hate when they say the 16th century. You know what the 16th century is? It's from 1500 to 1599. So we're now in the 21st century. And so, so when they say the 16th century, they're speaking between 1500 to 1599. Okay? Keep that in mind. In the 16th century, Spanish conquistadores brought such tradition with them to the new world, along with a darker view of death influenced by the devastation of the bubonic plague. Something the Mesoamerican Indians never knew about. The Europeans brought the plague with them. It's an infection by fleas. I can talk, speak about it some other time. So to understand the origins of All Souls Day, we should probably start with All Saints Day. During the Middle Ages, again, when is the Middle Ages? From the year 500 to the year 1400, some say the 1500. That's the Middle Ages. Most Christian communities held a yearly feast to honor the church saints, martyrs who had died and gone to heaven. 
In time, this day came to be known as All Saints Day, and the Catholic Church made it a holy day of what? Obligation. You had to. Sometime in the 10th century, the Catholic priest Saint Odilo of Cluny. I met a guy by the name of Odilo. I said, what's your name? Odilo. What kind of name is that? He goes, I don't know. I was born on the day of the Saint Otilo, so my mom and dad called me Otilo. I said, that's an ugly name. <laughs> Only it's ugly because you don't know history. I don't know history. I didn't know history. I still don't. I'm learning. But Saint Odilo of Cluny, you look him up in the Catholic Encyclopedia, got bad. He's... He instituted All Souls Day, a day to pray for the souls of deceased family members, ordinary men and women who had lived good lives and were waiting in purgatory until they were worthy to enter heaven. Now, this thing purgatory has been introduced into the church. Let me tell you what other things have been introduced. I ain't got time for this, okay? The rosary was introduced to the church. The rosary is not even the Bible. The sign of the cross, holy water. Kissing the Pope's feet. Infallibility of the Pope. Praying for the dead. Uh, the laymen, uh, the priests wearing differently than laymen. They're wearing a shark hat to represent authority. They were dressed ostentatiously from the rest of the people. And they forbid anyone to read the Bible by law and decree. No one should read the Bible except the clergy. I know what I'm talking about. Okay? And then praying for the dead. All these things came in here. Do you know in the 1930s, the Catholic Church made an edict that, they, that, 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 that public schools are ungodly. Maybe they were right on this one. But they prohibited public schools. A lot of things went in there that, that they just included into the church that's not biblical. The annual celebration became the final and third day of, notice that, Al Hallowtide. That's whether you hear that, Al Hallowtide. Basically means All Hallowtide. Right after All Hallows Eve and All Saints Day. According to the 16th and 17th century Catholic belief, the majority of souls landed in purgatory after death. Rather than heaven or hell, it was the responsibility of the living to help alleviate the suffering of souls in purgatory and assist them in getting to heaven. This could be done through prayer or by making offerings to the souls. The roots of commercialization. We're coming to an end now. And I got like around eight minutes because I already shared with you what Jesus said. But I want to share also just a conversation that he has with Nicodemus. It's very important for us. And there in chapter 8 also. What he wants the world to do. The world cannot do anything. That's why Jesus came to do everything. All we have is one mandate. And I'm telling you that in case I don't get to it, man. We must believe. He who believes in me shall live forever. He who believes in my name, the Son of God, will never perish. He who believes in me, no one will snatch him away from my Father's hand. Those who believe in me are my sheep, and my sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and I know them by name. When we die, we can romanticize 
We can novelize it. We can cosmetize it. But death is ugly, man. If somehow you feel that in heaven, I hear people say, well, you know, when I die, you know, one of the first things I want to I want to go party with Jimi Hendrix. So I asked kind of tongue-in-cheek, so where, where's Jimmy at? Oh, dude, that dude was messed up. He's in hell, man. So is that where you're going? Oh, hell no. So how, do, how are you going to see Jimmy? Well, I, we're going to see each other, man. Everybody's going to see each other. Really? Where did you get that? What is eh? That's ignorance blaring out loud. Matthew Sandoval, you wrote an OPG November 1st last year. He said, as a researcher of culture and performance, I know only too well that the truth is the day of the dead has always been commodified, meaning commercialized. Early Spanish chronicles in Mesoamerica, such as Diego Duran and Bernardino Sagún, documented the Aztec feast for the dead known as Totli and Ui Micatuitli. Duran wrote in the 1570s, that he was astounded to see how lavishly the Aztecs spent on supplies for their offering to the dead. Sahagun notes the overwhelming bustle in financial activity took place at the market in the capital city of Tenochtitlan, modern-day Mexico City, during the Aztec ritual feast. All manner of food and goods were sold to citizens to celebrate the Aztec feast of the dead. In this respect, there was not much distinction between commercial and religious activity, the religious feasts supported the market and vice versa. Purgatory. So the Catholic Church also emphasized commercial activity in relation to all saints and all souls day. According to the 16th and 17th century Catholic belief, the majority of souls landed in purgatory after death rather than heaven or hell. It was the responsibility of the living to help alleviate the suffering of souls in purgatory and assist them in getting to heaven. Now, we read from Luke chapter 16. Both men died. Was there a halfway point for any of them? None at all. One on this side, and forgive me, don't be pointing this side. You already in torment. You already made a final decision. Is this your final answer? Yeah. Let's go for it. You made it. Now you're in torment. You were able to see, you were able to talk, you were able to hear, you were able to feel. Four senses. I don't know if you smelled anything. But he says, well, if you cannot help me, I have some dogs out there. They're my brothers. Can you send someone from here and send them to my, my dog brothers and let them know that there's a place like this? Abraham says, they have the law and they have Moses. No, 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 no. Let me tell you. If someone should come from the dead and from the dead and go to the living, they will save all the dogs. That's what Jesus did when he rose from the dead. Peter tells us that. He descended into, into hell. And the Bible said he set the captives free. He didn't set them free. These were falling angels. He just came in there. He made a spectacle out of them, Paul tells he said that God, through his resurrection, made a spectaculo out of them. It's the word is spectaculo. In the, it's called scandalos in the Greek, and it's also in Spanish. He thought, they thought that he was dead. 
but he rose from the dead. He told the whole world that he's risen from the dead. He says, I've been there. I've gone there. And where you're going, you're going to die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. What do you mean? What is he saying? I'm reading to you now what John chapter says. What do you mean? He's going to commit suicide? What do you mean? Where he goes, we cannot go. He says, if you do not believe in me and you die in your sins, you will die in your sins. Now, we know that the wages of sin is death. If you do not believe in me and you do not believe in me, I'm telling you, you are going to die in your sins. There's no way station. So purgatory was now added to the burden of the church. In Mexico, that meant Spanish colonizers and newly converted indigenous Catholics were tasked with purchasing directly from the church candles and other religious items that could be used in offerings to those souls in purgatory. Additionally, they could pay their local priests to say special praise for the souls during Dia de los Muertos, a practice that remained in effect through the 20th century. That was 1900 to 1999. Think how many years were that? One particular well-known medieval Christian church method of exploitation in the Middle Ages was the practice of selling indulgences. As a monetary payment of penalty, which supposedly absolved one of, of sins and of release one from purgatory after death. Basically, by purchasing an indulgence, an individual could reduce the length and severity of punishment that heaven will require as payment for their sins, or so the church claimed. Indulgences were said to reduce in purgatory, but really were used for the church to gain power. Which groups were impacted the most by the selling of indulgences? The poor and illiterate were the most affected. The other los muertos today. Sincere people today still honor, remember, and celebrate their loved ones. Still do that. They have no idea what's behind it. They just want to remember, especially if it's fresh. Some of you who lost a loved one in the last five years, I know you haven't got over it yet. Still hurts. It still hurts. You haven't got over it. You want to forget about them? See, in the concept of the los muertos, they say we suffer three deaths. The first death is when you die physically. The second death is when you're buried. The third death is when people forget about you. I don't know my great-great-grandfather. I don't even know my own father. So you can only go back certain generations. You probably only remember great-grandma. After that, you don't remember anybody else. You don't have a memory for that. Now, El Dia de los Muertos has been monetized, commercialized, mass-marketed, and commodified. Walt Disney attempted to copyright Dia de los Muertos in 2013. And they were backlashed by the community. They were saying, what are you doing? And they backed off. You know why? Because four years later, they were about to come out with a movie called Coco. Made millions and millions of dollars. Where? Mexico? Latin America? No. You will never believe where they made more of their money on Coco. Take a shot. Anybody? Hey, see? Crazy. China. Why? Because they revered old people. And they resonate with that movie in honoring and remembering the dead. So... 
There you have a Mattel Barbie. La Cholita. No, the Katrina. You have Nike shoes. The Dia de los Muertos with Nike shoes. You have Coca-Cola. You have Pepsi. You have Coco. You have everywhere you go. I forgot to bring my mask from Northgate. They gave me, no, no, a Vallarta. They gave me, if you spend more than $50, you get a mask made of plastic. It's in my car. I should, I should have taken that word. But Dia de los Muertos, are they honoring the Hispanic community? No, 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 no. Wake up. Stanford University Latino Business Action Network. United States Latino GDP, the gross domestic product, is $2. trillion. <laughs> that means gross domestic product is a monetary measure of the market value of all the final goods and services produced and sold in a specific time period by countries. There are 65 million Latinos in the United States, probably more because of Biden. <laughs> what, what did I say? What did I say? Let me repeat that again. There's probably more because the borders are open. Am I blaspheming anybody? Don't laugh like that because you make me nervous. <laughs> I'm just telling the truth. Latinos start in business at a rate of 44% versus 4%. Latino-owned businesses, LBOs, are creating jobs faster than non-Latinos, 54% versus 10%. LBOs are growing faster, 14% versus 8%. Latino-owned business owners have nine times the wealth of non-Latino owners. But here's the problem, man. This is the problem. Latino opportunity gap is trillions of dollars. What does that mean? We're living like the indigenous people still. We're being told that we cannot be educated. We are still told that you can be in prison. This is why I love the gospel of Jesus Christ. It gives you the truth and it sets you truth. And you don't have to be obligated to the dictation of cultural diplomats or politicians or culture, society. You, you, you march to the beat of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And your next children, the next generation, hopefully, they'll get out of that funk. Because what happens in the community, we have children, and they follow the same pattern, the same vicious cycle. And then they have children, and guess what? Same cycle. Latino opportunity gap, trillions of dollars. What does the Bible say about death? The Bible's teaching on all souls day runs from neutral to disapproving. It is fine to remember friends and family members who have died and allow, allow to keep cemeteries neat. It is, it is unserviceable, though, to pray for the dead. Their fate is sealed. The teaching of purgatory is unbiblical. The traditional historical church teaches that some Christ followers who have died will spend a time in a holding place called purgatory before they can enter heaven. These are people who die having committed venial sins denoting a sin that is not regarded depriving the soul of divine grace that were not sufficiently atoned for. Sin is sin. There are no venial sins. And what is the other kind of sins? Mortal sins. Oh, I'm just doing little sins, man. You know, I'm going to get to heaven. I only steal, friend. I only talk up a little bit, man. Oh, no, I don't slam, man. Oh, that's, that's moral, dude. Sin is sin. 
The church devotees are encouraged to pray through those in purgatory so that their suffering will ease out their, their time shortened. Since purgatory does not actually exist, it is imprudent to pray for anyone affiliated with that. And we, we looked at 16. Now turn with me and we close at 8.15. Give me two more minutes. Go to, go to um, John chapter 3. A conversation with Nicodemus. John chapter 3, verse 11, and we close. In fact, I'm going to have Frank come on up already. So that we can prep up. Nicodemus is a rich man. He's a, he's a renaissance man. He's educated. He's a priest. He's a member of the Supreme Council of the Jewish Council called the Sahendrin. He's a big shot. Everybody knows who he is. So he comes to see Jesus by night. Why by night? Because you don't want to see a reputable man talking to a common man. So he goes by night. But he acknowledges that Jesus does come from heaven. Because the things that Jesus does, the signs, the miracles, and the wonders, the things that he does, not what he says, but what he does, he says, cannot come from man, but it comes from God. So this is the conversation. Notice what Nicodemus have to do. Okay? Verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This, came, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Teacher, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Why? For no one can do the sign that you do unless God is with him. Okay? So he confirmed it. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water, that's birth, bodily birth, and born of the spirit, that's spiritual birth, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, Now notice the personal pronoun. Sound like a Frenchman, we. I say to you, we, mean the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I say to you, we speak what we know, and we testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Here's verse 12. If I have told you earthly things, earthly things, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Here it is. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what kind of life? Eternal life. For God so loved the dogs, the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And I close with verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Don't be fooled. Respect those who celebrate in ignorance. Don't dog them. Don't insult them. Don't try to win your biblical argument. Don't try to act like you know your history. Just respect them and honor them because they're hurting people. You're the light. Be kind. Be gentle. Be aware. Don't, don't voice and don't project your own objections on other people. There are people who are very young in the Lord who are still navigating through their Christianity, and you've been in the Lord like 15, 20 years, you know everything, and you put that individual down. Don't do that. That's the worst thing you can do. You're worse than an infidel. Embrace that individual. Romans chapter 15, verse 1 says, You who are mature in the things of God, bear with the scruples of the weak. Be nice to them. Again, just informing you. You have a chance while you're alive. And we'll talk about it. I can't believe it. On Sunday, I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. While you're alive, you still have hope. Once you die, you're gone. It's just incredible how many people are dying today. Young people are dying today. I don't want to get into any kind of hysteria. Too many professional players in Europe are dying too many doctors are dying. Young doctors are dying. Too many people. Die. If you're alive here today, you're not born again, I would like to ask you, if you have never been born again, you have never made a confession of faith, I know you're a dog, <laughs> but you have hope because you're a living dog. If you think you're a lion right now, you don't need anything because you're the king of the jungle, the lion's going to die. And like Solomon says, a living dog is better than a, a dead lion. I'm asking you, would you like to receive Jesus today in your heart? Would you like to receive him? Would you like to go from the goat side? Would you like to go to the sheep side? Would you like to translate from darkness to light? Would you like to escape the incoming torment to a place of comfort and forgiveness? Your choice. He won't force no one. But if you're here tonight and you would like to receive Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and say, Pancho, I want to accept Christ today. I'm a living dog, and if I still have that hope, I want that hope tonight. If that is you, would you please stand to your feet? Let me pray with you quickly, wherever you are. God bless you. God bless you. Remain standing. Remain standing. Remain standing. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? For those of you that are standing, welcome to the family. Will you repeat the simple prayer? So simple prayer. So powerful, man. You know, in a couple of seconds, your name is going to be written in the book of life. Everything you've done against humanity, against yourself, against your family, anything you've done, it will all be forgiven and forgotten. And God will give you a new life today. No more madness. Would you repeat this simple prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I accept you into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. I'm a sinner. 
I'm a dog. But I need you. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Create in me a new heart, a new mind, and a clean conscience. Put my name in the book of life forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Make sure you greet them. Take them, give them a free Bible. The Lord be with you. Thank you for your time. If you want to leave now, you're dismissed. If you want to worship right on, if you want to give you first in line in the food court, go for it. The Lord be with you. Love you. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Poncho Juarez. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor Poncho's teaching ministry by visiting thearcmontebello.com.